Playground. I'm your host, Brian Willie, along with my co-host, John Kessel. Episode 65 features the return of 24-7's recruiting analyst for the University of Minnesota, Ryan Burns. Ryan discusses the prospects to look for in the upcoming 2021 class, evaluates the past 2020 classes that have recently been completed, and also previews some of the situations surrounding the COVID-19 crisis and how it's impacting college football programs across the nation. This season, Intentionally Grounded is partnering with First Down Playbook. For coaches looking for a playbook software that is user-friendly and can deliver the clarity necessary to share and communicate your scheme with coaches and players alike, check out First Down Playbook. For more information, check out their website at firstdownplaybook.com, and for our listeners of our show, enter the code IGFB20 when purchasing individual or program memberships to receive a discount at checkout. Again, that code is IGFB20. Don't forget to check out our website at igfootballcoach.com for all our blog posts and podcast episodes. And check out our newly released YouTube channel that houses the video cast version of our podcast episodes as well, along with additional content related to leadership, football, and coaching development. Season 3, Episode 15 of Intentionally Grounded with Ryan Burns starts now. So Ryan, how big of an impact is this COVID-19 crisis having on recruiting and developing efforts of the Gophers and college football all around from what you're being told? Yeah, I had the, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to speak with PJ Fleck yesterday about this exact topic. So it's a uh, perfect timing with the podcast here. And that was one of the things I asked him. And, and it, it just is, uh, I think, just a big wrench into everything that Minnesota's trying to do, everything that every Big Ten team's trying to do and essentially every college football team. Because if you look at how the next few months play out here, if we are all still social distancing a month from now, two months from now, three months from now, that essentially in the college football world takes out the entire spring evaluation period. That's a period from about April 15th until May 31st where college coaches are able to go to high schools, go to different events, and get live evaluations on a kid because that's so important these college coaches is you can yes you can look at the tape but everybody on their huddle or whatever profile that they use is usually an inch taller 15 pounds heavier and everybody says they run a 4-4 well if you went off tape I can tell you we'd have a lot more people in the Olympics than we currently have right now and that's where you're they're able to get these lab evaluations done well if COVID-19 here doesn't allow these college coaches which I would be very surprised if there is an actual spring evaluation period you're going to be going off old evaluations that you got maybe last year in October, November, when you went and saw them live, you may be going off just tape. And that's where it gets a little scary for these college coaches. And even for Minnesota kids, this is where a lot of kids are able to go to different combines, go to different events. And heaven forbid this goes into June camp season. I mean, you're going to see, I don't think as many offers go out um, at this early on in the recruiting process as you normally would. But that's where it's going to be coming down to. You're going to see college coaches this fall, once hopefully everything gets back under control, really have to hit the recruiting scene hard because they have to make sure that if they're going to be giving these kids a scholarship, they're you know, quote-unquote worthy of it. But that's where all of this is just such a big question mark. P.J. Fleck even said yesterday, you know, we really don't know when we're going to be able to get back to quote-unquote normal. And I think that's just essentially for him, for me, for everyone listening to this, we really don't know so that they're truly playing it by ear. Ryan, we had you on a year ago, and at that time, the Gophers were coming off one of the best recruiting classes 
in ever, ever since Rivals started tracking it. So where did the Gophers stand today compared to a year ago and also on a national level? Yeah, they just signed a, a class that I believe is somewhere around 35 um, in their most recent recruiting class that signed in December. They didn't sign anybody in February. And that's about where I expect them to be now. I know that there were some people that want immediate results coming off an 11-win season. I get it. Minnesota wins 11 games for the first time in over 100 years. That's not exactly how things work. There is a little bit of a lag effect. And that's where, where Minnesota should, quote, unquote, see the dividends of that 11-win uh, season they had last year is going to be in this upcoming recruiting class, the 2021 recruiting class, where Minnesota currently has, I think, a top 15 classes up, um, per 24-7 sports, my parent company. And that's all fine and dandy, but it's so interesting to kind of look at the scape of the Big Ten West, where schools like Purdue and Nebraska and Northwestern are recruiting as well as they ever have, and that's great. But you look at who are two teams above Minnesota in that recruiting rankings for this upcoming class, it's Wisconsin and Iowa. Wisconsin and Iowa are recruiting as well as they ever have. They're both, I believe, in the top ten recruiting right now. Now, there's a long way to go. I don't anticipate them finishing there, just like I don't anticipate Minnesota necessarily finishing one of the top 15 class. But Minnesota really has to hit on this class. You have all the momentum in the world, and it's too bad because Minnesota had, I think, around 15 or 20 kids with offers that were supposed to visit unofficially, which means on their own dime, in March. Well, then COVID-19 happened, and none of those kids are able to get on campus. So that's where it's going to be very interesting to see how much does this COVID-19 affect Minnesota's recruiting where Minnesota should be on the up and up and up and up. But if you can't get kids on campus, you may not be able to potentially do that until June, July, or August. Well, traditionally, P.J. Fleck recruiting classes have been 90 95% full by August 1. Now, if I don't really anticipate that happening with the current state of where the world is at, but it's certainly thrown a wrench into things. Minnesota is still recruiting as well as they ever have. They did sign their best back-to-back-to-back recruiting classes in their internet era since we started tracking these ratings, and they're currently within the top 15. So things are trending well, but they really need to get some help here from the health world if they're going to be able to continue on the up and up. Basing things off of the information that we have in front of us right now, heading into the 2020 season, what are some of the big concerns and question marks for the Gophers, and how do you think they'll address these issues with a lack of spring practice? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think the biggest thing that you have to be looking at is that defensive side of the ball. You graduate seven guys, including one guy that I guess technically left early and potential top 60 pick Antoine Winfield Jr., but you lose seven guys who played a ton of football at the University of Minnesota, played a ton of football for P.J. Fleck. You're talking about guys like Chris Williams in the nickel corner, who was essentially Minnesota's third linebacker on 70% of downs. You're losing Minnesota kids like Carter Coughlin, Thomas Barber, Kamal Martin. I mean, you, all of these guys have played so much football. That's where spring practice was going to be huge for Joe Rossi, Minnesota's defensive coordinator, in being able to f- figure out who is going to be the best young player that, yes, we know that they're going to be inexperienced, but we can try to help that and mitigate that by giving them all the reps that they can handle in practice. Well, Minnesota got three spring practices in, and now here we are. And so that's not exactly ideal. That's where if you're Joe Rossi, I'm sure he's got a higher level of anxiety than maybe the offensive side of the ball does where they're only replacing two uh, starters. But I'm really very, very curious to see how Minnesota replaces their linebackers, replaces Antoine Winfield, 
How can they get a pass rush without Carter Coughlin? All things I'm going to be watching on that side of the ball, especially with the lack of practices. And then on offense, Mike Sanford Jr., Minnesota's new offensive coordinator, was trying to figure out how can he tweak the system. He doesn't want to revamp it. He doesn't want to completely trash what Minnesota did last year, and I think you can understandably so understand, I guess, why he would want to do that. You score 34 points a game. You're the second highest scoring team in Big Ten play behind Ohio State, and you win 11 games. I think those things are all correlated there. So he doesn't want to necessarily throw away that system, especially with everybody except Kirk Shiraka on the offensive side of the ball back in terms of staff. But now, again, they, Mike Sanford's only got three practices in of his install of what his tweak was going to be. So, yes, you still have Tanner Morgan coming back, Rashad Bateman, the entire offensive line, all the tight ends, and that's great. But for the tweaking of the system on offense and trying to replace bodies on defense, it certainly is going to hurt a little bit as there's a lot more unknowns now going into the summer. You touched on the offense a little bit, Ryan, but is the quarterback situation – and finally settled with, with Tanner, Morgan, Tanner Morgan firmly entrenched. And there's a ton of talent in the quarterback room. There's no secret that PJ's done a great job recruiting and bringing guys in. Is there is Anikstead a, a, a transfer candidate? Or, I mean, somebody surely is going to look for more playing time out of the room, wouldn't you think? I, I would think so. And, and by golly, I hope that Tanner Morgan's QB1. Man. Arguably, I mean, to me, I don't know what you guys think. I think Tanner Morgan just had arguably the, the greatest passing season of a Golden Gopher quarterback ever. I mean, whether you want to look at statistically, whether you want to look at it, how Tanner sh you know, showed up in the biggest games of the season to help them win. I'm not a big QB wins as an actual stat, but I will say that some of the throws that Tanner Morgan made throughout the entire season, if you want to look back, and I think maybe my favorite sequence for Tanner Morgan was against Fresno State. Now, maybe some people don't remember this because it was at about 1 in the morning central time, but it's like 3rd and 15 from the Fresno State 15. He bobbles it, fumbles it. Minnesota has to call a timeout. It's the last play of the game. They're down 7. They need a touchdown. And on that very next play, after fumbling it, bobbling the snap, he throws the best ball of his career back left of the end zone to Chris Ottman-Bell, where only Ottman-Bell could catch it. Touchdown, they force overtime, they win the game. Whether you want to look at it any which way, Tanner should absolutely be firmly entrenched as the quarterback. Now, what does that mean for Zach Anikson? That's a great question. And that's where I've written about it on Gopher Illustrated is one of the guys who really does not benefit at all from this COVID-19 crisis is Zach Anikson because he went down the third day of practice in fall camp, missed all of fall camp rehabbing from that injury, and now he was just, he was just starting to get back into the rhythm now he's got three practices in with a new quarterback coach, a new offensive coordinator, and he was a little rusty at the one practice I was at. He needs reps. He needs all of that. And if you thought that Anikstead was really going to push Tanner Morgan, well, I can assure you with the lack of practice time now, I don't think that's actually going to be a thing. So it is going to be interesting to see once everything does get back to normal, whether that's the summer or whenever that may be, four scholarship quarterbacks – and Zach Anikstead and the two young guys, I mean, there's not all of you can play. Only one guy can play. And I know that I think for the, I think two years out of the last 10, Minnesota has had to play, or I should say eight of the last 10 years, Minnesota's had to play two different quarterbacks in a season, whether it be injury related, whether it be poor performance. So it's not like Zach Anikstead doesn't know. I mean, that's how Tanner Morgan got his starting job. 
was that Zach got injured against Nebraska, went to the emergency room at halftime, and Tanner Morgan Wally pipped him, so he knows it works both ways. But I wouldn't anticipate, you know, come fall camp or come the first game, I should say, against Florida International that it's going to be all four are going to be still here. Ryan, I have a follow-up, kind of just compiling everything that you just said. Do you think that the talent that, that they brought in, that PJ's brought in, all, all the stars and all the great players, the grad transfers, do you think that gives them a leg up because of the lack of practices, because of even though there is coaching turnover, they are going to be incredibly talented on offense. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Does that give them a leg up early on in the season where they are going to have a little bit more leeway, you know, compared to years past where the margin of error was so small that that gap appears to have increased tenfold. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I'd agree. I mean, anytime you have nine starters coming back, especially I think the biggest thing for me and why I'm so bullish on this go for offense is you have six offensive linemen back who all started games for you and were pretty damn good in their final test of the season they absolutely dismantled an Auburn defense that had been sensational against the run. They had two top, they have two first round picks on the defensive line. And we're talking about an offensive line that couldn't block a stunt against South Dakota state in the first game of the year. And then absolutely gave it to an Auburn defensive line. That's got two first round draft picks. So that's absolutely going to help. And I, I guess that's just why more than anything, Yes, they have talent, but it's experienced talent on that side of the ball. I mean, defensively, yes, it's an experience, but if you look at star rankings, they're as athletically gifted as we've seen in a long time. I mean, Thomas Barber was one of the smartest linebackers that, uh, from what I've, from the people on the Gopher staff I've talked to, that they've seen come through here in some time, but he wasn't the most athletically gifted like a Kamal Martin. That's where Mariano Sori Marin is a, maybe will be as smart as what Thomas Barber was, but he's also five inches taller, three inches longer, and he's got 40 pounds on him. And so that's where if you can get the ideal athleticism to go with the football smarts, that's where you're really going to start cooking with fire there. And that's where in the scope of the Big Ten West, just with spring ball in general, I mean, you're talking about Iowa's not going to get any practices now to break in a brand new quarterback, and they lose a lot on both sides of the ball. You look at Wisconsin. They're trying to figure out life after Jonathan Taylor. Well, they don't get to figure that out. That's where everybody in the Big Ten, just even across the country, is now still trying to figure out, well, we wanted to implement so many of these changes, but we don't get to now because there's likely won't be any spring ball. Switching over to the coaching staff side of things for a question here. There's obviously been some changes um, since the staff um, – broke for the end of the season, and namely with Kirk Chiraca being replaced by Coach Mike Sanford on the offensive side of the ball. So what small minor tweaks do you think we're going to see with a Sanford-led offense compared to what we saw with Chiraca? Well, the first and foremost, and maybe the, the most Minnesotan thing that I figured out during the season via my mentions, my emails, was for the – I guess I'm laughing because uh, – they're actually going to use the tight end. I don't know what it is with the state of Minnesota and Golden Gopher football fans that it just absolutely infuriates them that the tight end didn't get any passing game usage. And I get it. And there were 16 total catches from the tight end position the last two seasons. And, I mean, I also understand that you had Tyler Johnson, Rashad Bateman, and Chris Ottman-Bell. Now, 
Tyler Johnson graduates is arguably one of the greatest receivers in school history. How do you replace him? I don't, well, first and foremost, Chris Ottman-Bell is going to slide into a bigger role, but I also think the tight end position, and that's something that Mike Sanford has talked about, is going to be utilized more in the passing game. And the guy that I'm bullish on, that this entire Gopher coaching staff is bullish on, anytime I talk to any of them, he's about the first name that comes off the tongue, and that's St. Cloud's Revan Span Ford. What he's able to do athletically, it's six foot seven, 270 pounds, is very, very impressive. And that's where Minnesota, even three practices in, I got a text message from one of the coaches saying, if I could buy any more stock in Spanford, I would. And usually these guys who are around them every day usually know what they're talking about. And that's where I think you're going to see a lot more Brevin Spanford, whether it's in line like a Y tight end, whether it's split out a little bit, whether you know, any kind of different formations, I just think that you're going to see Mike Sanford really utilize the tight end a little bit more. Now, I will also say I don't really anticipate anything changing in terms of the running scheme. Minnesota is still going to be a zone blocks, uh, zone running game, inside zone, outside zone, things that they really were able to utilize well towards the latter half of the season there. But we're still waiting to find out other than we know that the tight end is going to get a little bit more usage. P.J. Fleck has said we're still a zone running team. You'll probably see some different concepts here and there, but those are all things Mike Sanford is still trying to figure out. In your opinion, overall, how much talent resides in the state of Minnesota at the high school level for the, for the 21 recruiting classes? And what are some of the positions of strength and depth in the upcoming classes? Well, it looks to be a good class. I mean, I was planning on getting out to see most of these kids live this spring, but uh, here we are with social distancing and uh, not all these kids are going to, obviously with school now being canceled, it's, uh, it's a little more difficult. I mean, you look at the top, to me, the clear top player in the state bar none is Riley Malman. Six foot seven, 270, Lakeville South. He's committed to Wisconsin right now. I think that if you look at every prototypical Wisconsin right or left tackle for the last five years that plays there for three years and then goes off to the NFL for as a top 60 pick, he was a former tight end that's converted into an offensive tackle. Well, what does Riley Malman play at Lakeville South? Plays tight end. What is he on the basketball court? He's pretty gifted with his feet. I mean, I watched him last summer at one of the Gophers camps and he ran like a 4.6 or a 4.7 shuttle, and he really didn't even know what he's doing. Just means he's got great foot speed. They can put the weight on him, and he has the athleticism. So you have the ideal size at six foot seven. You have the length. You have the foot speed. If you can just figure out the muscle part, which is arguably the easiest thing to do once he gets into a college strength and conditioning program, that's where it's going to be pretty easy to see why Riley Malman's so highly rated. I'm also really intrigued to see – uh, both of the other gopher commits in state, one from Annadale by the name of Logan Purcell and another guy I want to talk about a little bit later in Devon Eastern, where I think the sky is the limit for that kid, just the way that he's been able to reshape his body. When you look at what a big 10 defensive end looks like with a guy like AJ Epinesa from Iowa, Devon Eastern just figured out what the weight, what the weight room looked like here about six months ago. And he's making a ton of strides. So that's where the skill position players Guys like Dorian Singer, guys like Terrence Kamara from Minneapolis North, they're not going to be able to get to be seen by these college coaches because they, all these college coaches with the speed want to see if the speed is legit. And that's where guys like Michael, uh, Michael Alowo from Rogers, Dorian Singer from Tartan, everybody wanted to see how fast they were and they were going to run track. 
well, track season looks to be canceled, and that's where they don't have verified times. And so that's where, yes, for the most part, offensive line and defensive line where Minnesota traditionally does well with producing talent is likely going to still see offers come in this spring. But it's the skill position guys that I think are going to be hurt a little bit because college coaches are a little wary until they can actually verify how fast and how athletic they are. Who are some names from the 2021 recruiting class that Gopher fans really kind of want to pay attention to as summer football camps begin, if they begin at all? Um, and what other schools are looking at these players? I think the, the, the top guy anyway in terms of who does not have a Minnesota offer yet would be Dorian Singer from Tartan, someone that has picked up offers from Iowa State, North Dakota State, Illinois State, most of the Missouri Valley here so far. And I remember Tartan High School is where I graduated. It's where I played ball, so I know the high school coach there well. I was talking to a couple of college coaches who were at the section final game for them this past year when Tartan took on Matamidi. Dorian Singer, I think, had four touchdowns in that game. And I was texting them during the game, what do you think? And they're like, yeah, we're going to offer this kid immediately. They're two of those coaches or two of his offers. And so that's where can Dorian Singer, he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's probably about six foot 170. But can he prove that he is fast enough? I mean, Tyler Johnson wasn't, is not the fastest guy in the world. I don't think anybody um, is a little bit shocked by that. I think at the Gopher camp I was at, he ran probably in the four eights in high school. That's not great, especially if you're going to be a big 10 wide receiver. But what separated Tyler Johnson is how explosive he is. He's so explosive out of his cuts. He can jump higher than anybody in the gym. Dorian Singer can, isn't as big as Tyler Johnson. He's about two inches shorter than him. But can he prove that he can run in the four sixes to potentially garner a go-for offer? You're also looking like some, at somebody like Michael Olawo from Rogers. I mentioned him earlier. He's a track stud. That's why he's been on the radar that he is. He's a legitimate six foot. He's got some of the best track times in the state. I believe he made the 100 meter final as a sophomore last year. Can he duplicate that? Can he prove that he's more than just a track guy like Devin Crawford Tufts was from Medina about 10 years ago who tried to play football for the Gophers? Can he prove that he can flip his hips as a corner. All things that Minnesota is hoping to see at one of their June or July camps. And then maybe an out-of-state guy that I just learned about here in the last week that North Dakota pulled the offer or pulled the trigger on his first offer last night is a kid from Barrett, Minnesota. Now, I like to think I know most corners of the state, whether it's going out west to do some uh, waterfall hunting, going up north to Lake of the Woods to do some walleye fishing, but not every day you see a kid from Barrett, Minnesota, a kid by the name of Jaden Norby, a tight end that plays quarterback. He plays linebacker for his high school out at West Central. Someone that if he does come to a camp, I'm going to be very intrigued because it's evident that he's going to be a little bit more raw, but he's got the size at 6'4", 240 that you can do a lot with. Who are some of the sleeper players from Minnesota that are not getting a lot of attention right now? So you talked on some guys who who – are getting some attention, maybe not a lot of gopher attention. Who are some guys who are really under the radar right now who, if they get a chance in June or July to get on a Division I campus, will probably or potentially get an offer? Yeah, you guys made me really go and watch a lot of film uh, this morning to try and give you some guys that I'm really intrigued by. And I know that a couple of these guys already have offers, one by the name of Elijah Green. He's got one Division I offer right now from Farmington, Minnesota. 
a guy that I was getting text messages about from college coaches last fall, Farmington High School. I mean, they were, they were playing in some big games that these college coaches were at, and they were like, who is this green kid that, that keeps um, you know, turning the corner on these guys? And I was like, he's pretty good, ain't he? And they're like, yeah. Now, he's not the biggest guy in the world. Eli Green is only about 5'10", 5'11", but he's got a lot of speed. And the question is going to be, again, if June camps do happen, can he prove that he's got the legitimate size to go to like a North Dakota state? Uh, you know, can he get something a little bit better than that? That's going to be the question. I also am really intrigued by a kid from Rosemont. He's actually currently committed to play hockey at the university of Minnesota. His name is Jake Ratzleff. Now we'll see what happens with his football recruitment because the, from what I've been told, nothing is going to happen there until the NHL draft happens in late June. I know that he wants to be – I'm not a big NHL draft mind, but it sounds like he's going to be picked in the top four or five rounds. But if he decides to play football, I know that there are a lot of college coaches that would love to get him. Again, he's got – if you put on the tape, he's a very physical linebacker. He's 6'3", 220. You know, he's got great footwork, being a very good hockey player as well. So if Jake Ratzleff decides he wants to play football, I can assure you that Minnesota would love him to join his high school teammate, Jonathan Mann, on campus here. Kind of one of the last questions then here, Ryan, to wrap things up here. Let's just look at Coach Flex's overall recruiting efforts here in the state of Minnesota. Since he's gotten here, then even in the upcoming classes that you have seen and studied, how well do you think the Gophers are doing at keeping in-home talent in the state of Minnesota? Well, yeah, what we've noticed here, even in Minnesota and just really across the country, is more and more the top players in state are leaving. Now, it's a little bit different when you look at Minnesota compared to Wisconsin just because, you know, Wisconsin has been so good for so long. It's, it's almost tradition to go to, to go to Madison. And I also think that there is an effect on where Minnesota is or the University of Minnesota is compared to a lot of other Big Ten West schools say, where the University of Minnesota, downtown Minneapolis, you have four pro sports teams in town. You have a lot else going on. You're not the main attraction. Well, let's look at the other Big Ten West schools like Madison and like Iowa City. They're the only attraction in town. Iowa doesn't have a single pro sports team. Um, and, and Wisconsin doesn't have one in Madison. And that's where their prolonged successes in those two respective states, that's where you see a higher hit rate of those kids staying home. But I would even say, you look at the top two kids in state this year, Justice Sullivan and Riley Malman going to Wisconsin and Iowa, respectively. Minnesota offered them. Uh, they wanted them. They didn't get them. Well, you look at, like, the state of Iowa. Their top two kids are two kids by the name of Thomas Fedone and uh, T.J. Ballers. Both are – one's a tight end, one's a defensive lineman. You look at what has Iowa done really well at producing NFL talent of tight ends and defensive linemen. Well, the likely scenario – Scenario is neither of those two guys are going to stay home. They're likely going to go to a competitor Big Ten West school. And that's where I just think that the younger kids now want to get away from home. And that's what I'm essentially getting at here with the top in-state talent is most of these kids that are the top players in the state year in and year out grew up within 20 minutes of campus, 30 minutes of campus. They know that, you know, it's an option for them, but they also want to spread their wings and maybe go five hours away to Madison, maybe go four hours away to Iowa City. Yes, we're close enough to home where we can make a drive on a weekend that mom and dad can come see us, 
but we're not close enough that mom and dad can be breathing down our neck at any given moment if something goes wrong. And that's where I just think that even the state of Florida had a study come out where you're seeing more and more kids, the top kids in Florida every year, which is one of the biggest recruiting hotbeds in the entire United States. I think the, the rate five years ago was 40% of them stayed in state. And most recently last year, it was 18%. So every state is seeing this happen. And that's where it also has to, you know, PJ Flex personality isn't for everyone. If you're talking to a guy who has had countless interactions with PJ Fleck and the first time I met him, I was like, no way is this legit. No way does he have this amount of energy all the damn time. No way. Well, here I am three and a half years later and I just talked to him yesterday and whether it's, whether the cameras are on or whether it's a June camp or whether it's a random spring practice, that energy is the same all the time. And for some people, they really, really like that. For some people, they really, really don't. So if you're a recruit that really, really doesn't like that type of energy all the time. I can assure you the University of Minnesota probably isn't for you. But I think for the most part, Minnesota has done a good job of keeping the top in-state talent. Now it's going to be about trying to prove to the, these elite guys that it's worth that being close to mom and dad or be, you know, worth not traditionally spreading your wings to keep a guy like Raleigh Mom and home going in the future. 